David Steady Digital, dollop, dollop 153, scratching Michaela's badger. And we start today's dollop with a David's Daily Digital Dollop introduction jingle in Gaelic. And this is because we've been working with BBC Radio 3's Mary Ann Kennedy, who presents World on 3, The Late Junction, all sorts of brilliant programming on BBC Radio 3 and BBC Radio Scotland, and also on BBC Alba Television. And uh, she'll be teaching us some Gaelic. She'll be teaching us how to sing the David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 153 jingle in Gaelic, ladies and gentlemen. And feel free to follow on at home or wherever you are listening to this a bit of a Gaelic lesson now I'm not sure why singing David's Daily Digital Dollop in Gaelic would really serve any other purpose in life it's not like if you were doing a proper language lesson you'd learn how to say hello good afternoon good morning or just say good morning you don't even know how to, need to know how to say good afternoon because even if it's four o'clock in the afternoon just say good morning to people and they'll still respond with good morning as this dollop series is already regardless here's how to sing david's daily digital dollop 1253 in gaelic david's daily digital dollop i'd repeat that three times and then i would sing dollop and then the number which in this case would be dollop 153. So the question is, Marianne, what would that be in Gaelic? Well, oh my God. Would How would we what's say? The so what's the gift for David? Is it just David? Davy. To Davy. Have we got that one? So it's the first note is... The first note is... Davy. What's daily? Lyle. So Davy Lyle. Okay, have we got that? Should we try that, people? Davy Lyle. Okay, we're doing more cockney than anything else here. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay, and what, digital? That's quite an old word. Isn't it? Uh, How do you say Gaelic? How is digital in Gaelic? Uh, digital. Digital. So, <laughs> digital. And what's dollop? How do you say dollop? Like a dollop of something? Crap. 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 <laughs> Many people do say that. Uh, crap. Is it literally crap? It, it is crap. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, <laughs> Divey, Lyle, Digitech, crap. Okay, so we do that We do that three times, then we sing crap, and how do you say 153? Kielecha Citree. So, Okay, let's give it a go then. Here we go. A one, two, three... Divey Lyle Digital Crap Divey Lyle Digital Crap Divey Lyle Digital Crap Crap Fear Kiss a Tree Thank you, Marianne! Uh. Tomorrow we are recording on Spring Watch. The broadcast will be going out on Friday, the 3rd June, at 6.30pm. But we shall be uh, recording it tomorrow night and it'll be in front of a live studio audience. If you remember, we got told by Lindsay, one of the co-presenters on Spring Watch, that if you get your tweets in, she might read them out. So if you've got any requests, any questions for the young'uns, she said that she would read them out. She said the best way to get your, your question in is to at the Youngins Trio and at BBC Springwatch. And she did give a bit of a tip-off. She said, if you ask the Youngins what their favourite fish is, that's the kind of question that they're after. So, what's your favourite fish? Imagine that if we've got hundreds of people. Oh, the Youngins are with us. Actually, we've got quite a few people, an astounding number of people, actually, interested to know what your favourite fish is. We've got to get there quite early. The, the recording isn't until nine o'clock, but we've got to get there at seven. 
And apparently we've been tipped off that one of the reasons for this is because all of the guests get asked to produce a piece of artwork, to draw a piece of art inspired by nature or by something that they can see around them at the, on the Springwatch site. And I'm not sure whether I should do it. I should be the nominated person for the young'uns to do this. Because apparently Chris Packham, who's presenting it, is quite uh, particular. Apparently there's a, a, a wild to mild list. If it's great, he'll put it on the wild list. But if it's, if it's not so good, he'll put it on the mild list. You are rated depending on how wild or how mild it is. So there's a kind of a rating system and people tend to edge towards the mild list as opposed to the wild list so i'm thinking it doesn't matter what sean and michael do they're not particularly good artists it doesn't matter what they do they're not going to get a very good result i also do like the idea of just being on spring watch and just giving him a load of scribbles and him going what the bloody hell is this and then when he finds out i'm blind out of sympathy he might put us on the wild list we might be victorious out of sympathy i might get the disability vote you know, pull up the old blind card there. So tune in on Friday and uh, you'll find out how we got on. I'm not sure what tomorrow's dollop will consist of. It may well be another dollop from the pub with some more people from Springwatch. Maybe even Michaela Strachan. Uh, maybe Chris Packham. Strachan and Packham. <laughs> Today's David's Digital Dollop is called Scratching Michaela's Badger. And the reason for that is because when we put on Twitter that we were going on Springwatch, someone immediately tweeted and said, Oh, if you're lucky, lads, you might get to scratch Michaela's Badger. Which I assume is some nature joke about Michaela Strachan. Unless, maybe, I have over-smutted this and actually Michaela's badger might be some kind of monument that I'm not aware of. So I'm being all smutty going, oh, scratch Michaela's badger, we all know what you're saying, mate. But it might be some sort of precious holy monument, some sort of ancient relic. And it's like, oh, yeah. And, but imagine if I, I thought that Michaela's badger was like an ancient relic and that scratching it was a thing that you did as a sign of respect. And I walked up to um, one of the Springwatch team and said, oh, we were hoping to scratch Michaela's badger tonight, you know. So we've heard that's what you do here. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, you apparently we, you scratch Michaela's badger. I don't know, you know how we can do that, but if you know you could arrange that, would be good. Apparently it's just like the thing that people do, not realising that it was an innuendo. It was a euphemism. But if we do scratch Michaela's badger, then obviously we will bring it to you on the David's Jelly Digital Dollop. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 154, Behind the Springs. Behind the Springs? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's one for the bloopers reel there. We'll edit that one. I'll just make a note of that so I can use that for Christmas. <laughs> so there's moments like that, though, that you can't script. Okay, David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 154, Behind the Scenes at Springwatch. I am writing today's dollop in a bit of a rush, so forgive me if I'm not on blistering form in this dollop. I'm afraid you might just have to make do with two jokes every paragraph on this occasion. We're about to go on spring watch and are currently sitting in the production studio. The seat I am sitting on is a swivel chair, which has a wheel missing, and I nearly fell off it when I first sat down. I have warned the people at the BBC about this rogue chair because I'm worried that someone like the culture minister, John Whittingdale, might one day be in that studio and sit on the chair, and if he should fall off it... It might spell the end of the BBC. As he launches a massive health and safety investigation into the corporation, he is seemingly looking for excuses to shut the BBC down, and this could be the thing that pushes him over the edge. I hope the producers who I warned about this heed my words, because this might be the chair that brings John Whittingdale, and consequently the BBC, to its knees. 
will be going on set in the next ten minutes. At the moment, there is a broadcast assistant teaching the studio audience how to applaud. They've been practising their cheering, their clapping, and their whooping. So if you watch our Spring Watch appearance tomorrow, listen out for the audience reactions. Because they are something special, having been professionally and properly honed by a BBC broadcast assistant. I hear that the wildlife is also coached about how to behave. I probably shouldn't reveal this. But you think that everything that you see is just the birds and the animals behaving naturally in their natural habitat, when in fact it's actually all directed by a BBC broadcast assistant. To be honest, it would be much more fascinating if they just spent the programme showing you how this is all achieved. Seeing the broadcast assistant coaching the owls how to hoot properly for the microphone and attempting to demonstrate to a bird how they should effectively dismember and eat their prey in the way that is most camera-friendly. A few days ago, I was pleased that regular dollopies, Claire and Catherine, inspired by my walking audio dollops, created a little walking audio dollop comment, which I played out at the start of Dollop 150. Sadly, though, no one as of yet has seemingly been inspired enough by my ASMR dollops to create their own ASMR audio dollop comment. Whether it be you cuddling a dummy with latex gloves or nibbling an imaginary body part, your ASMR audio dollop comments are welcome. This week has been very busy and has probably posed the biggest challenge to getting these dollops out. I've been out every evening and during the day I've been doing a project with some of England's finest young musicians. And I'm not referring to Michael and Sean. The age of the musicians ranges between 12 and 19. They are so obsessed with making music that even in their rest time they are still relentlessly making random music. For instance, in the canteen they were making up songs using their cutlery to create rhythmic pieces which they discussed in great detail before. Beforehand. Okay, so Georgia, you bang your fork in 4-4, and Dante, if you will, and I'll add a cross rhythm in 6-8 with my knife. Meanwhile, Emily, how about adding a bit of syncopation with your spoon? I was taken aback today when a few of them came up to me and told me that they've been listening and reading my dollops, which is a little bit awkward for me, given that I'm trying to play the role of responsible professional teacher, and my efforts are being somewhat sullied by them listening to me on the evenings, being nibbled and fondled by a woman. If you're one of the people who only reads the written version of these dollops, well, you're obviously not because you're listening to this, unless you're a convert. Well done. Check out Dollop 150 to be enlightened, for want of a better word. So I've started creating alternative dollops, featuring lots of family-friendly, erudite educational thoughts. Basically, I've developed a system whereby there is a program on my website that can access a visitor's webcam, identify their age from the photo, and then show you the family-friendly content if it identifies you as one of my students or a family member. Ironically, in order to set this up, I had to break lots of privacy rules. I had to create a database of photos and have had to get illegal access to people's webcams. But these issues are still much more preferable than the awkwardness of having students and family members reading and listening to things that I'd rather they didn't. Anyway, moustache, I shouldn't keep Chris Packham waiting any longer. The majority of yesterday's dollop was very hastily written and was frantically typed up on my laptop precariously perched on my knee as I sat on the dodgy swivel chair with the wheel missing in the BBC Springwatch production studio. After we'd recorded our show, we went to the pub with the Springwatch team, as we did the week before. The recording didn't finish until just before 10, and we didn't get to the pub until 10.30. I still hadn't finished that day's dollop, and the fact that I'd been typing it up while spinning and wobbling around on a broken swivel chair meant that I had made loads of typos. It was standing room only in the pub, so I had to be very antisocial and sit on a bench outside the pub with my laptop. I sat there for about an hour, and in that time a couple of people from the production team came out to bring me beer, which, while very kind, 
kind of them made me feel a bit guilty and stupid for not joining them in the pub. I was also feeling a bit self-conscious. Because we'd come from Springwatch straight from the music project that we've been working on all this week, I had my big bag with me containing all the bits of equipment that we use on the project. I probably looked to people like a very eccentric homeless person, sitting on a bench outside the pub with all my worldly possessions in the one big bag by my feet, drinking beer that I was being brought by benevolent and sympathetic customers while I was typing on a laptop computer, which, because I am blind, didn't actually have the monitor turned on. So it would have just looked to people as if I was typing on a laptop that wasn't even switched on. Perhaps people assumed that I was a struggling writer who was struggling so much that I didn't even have a home, and I spent my days sitting on a bench outside a pub hoping that someone would buy him a beer out of sympathy while he drunkenly typed on a broken laptop, perhaps too drunk to even realise that it wasn't switched on or working. Eventually, I got the dollop uploaded and then made my way back into the pub. But the pub was so packed that I couldn't get through or work out where anyone was. Fortunately, someone came to my rescue and guided me through. It was quite a long walk into the room where my fellow young'uns and the Springwatch team were sitting, so I had quite a long chat, consisting of a lot of trivial small talk with the person guiding me. It was only after she'd gone that I discovered that my rescuer had been Michaela Strachan, who we'd not met on the Springwatch and Sprung set because she only does the main Springwatch programme. So I had a five-minute bout of small talk and walked hand-in-hand with Michaela Strachan without having any idea who she was. I did, however, speak to her for another five minutes a little later in the evening, and she asked me why I'd been sitting outside by myself on a bench with my laptop. So I told her about the dollop. I drunkenly told her that she should give it a listen or a read, and, presumably just to humour me, she said that she would. So, just in case she is listening or reading, hello, Michaela, I hope that you're enjoying this. Feel free, by the way, Michaela, to send me any ASMR audio dollops, maybe comprising you imparting wildlife facts in a sensual whisper. Feel free also if you want to get Chris Packham involved in this. Upon being ushered into the TV studio, I was immediately set upon by a couple of people, one of whom, a woman, whispered something to me, and then began to stroke my face with a soft brush. In fact, it was kind of like a physical manifestation of my sensual whispering feathered friend on the ASMR podcast that we listened to on Dollop 150. The other person was a man who was pulling up the front of my shirt and fondling my lower back. I thought that the BBC were trying to stamp out the whole molestation in the studio thing, yet here I was being touched up by two people in full view of everyone. But I soon realised that the whispering woman stroking my face was actually applying makeup, which apparently needs to be added so that the cameras can pick up faces properly. The man, with one hand up the front of my shirt and the other hand grappling around the back of my trousers, was attaching a mic, the wire of which went up the inside of my shirt in order to be inconspicuous on the cameras, and the small power unit was being attached to the inside of my trousers at the back. The reason for their whispering was because Chris Packham and Michaela Strachan were just metres away finishing off that day's live broadcast of Springwatch. Both the man and woman's hands were rather cold, and the viewers of yesterday's Springwatch were very nearly treated to me, shouting out in shock, possibly exclaiming something profane. But fortunately, I managed to stop myself reacting to the sudden surprise of cold hands being thrust onto my skin. The whole TV studio experience was quite odd for me. I didn't really feel able to say anything, as I didn't know where the cameras were pointing and who they were focused on. There were cameras darting around the place, and people with cameras shuffling low down on the floor. There was a point when I was going to say something, but this was when Chris Packham was at the other side of the studio, looking at Sean's drawing that he'd been challenged to do by the Springwatch team. And I wasn't sure whether if I said something, it might have resulted in a scrum of cameramen having to quickly crawl along the floor in order to get me in the shot, properly focus on my face. The other two could see where the cameras were pointing and could react accordingly. It's also very fast-paced, and there isn't really the time or opportunities for inter- 
dejection, especially from someone who doesn't have a clue where to actually face. So I just left the other two to it, and they did a fine job without me. And it was a really good interview with Packham. I found the whole studio applause thing a bit weird. As I mentioned yesterday, the audience were made to practice their applause beforehand and coached about how to do it properly. During the show, there is someone who directs the audience when to applaud. The opening music will play, and he'll count the audience down from ten, and then they will applaud. It almost makes the act of applauding seem a little bit redundant and ridiculous. Surely the idea of audience response and audience applause is to denote an audience's appreciation, an actual genuine reaction. But in this case, the audience were being told how to applaud, when to applaud, and how long for. Yes, he was even directing the length of applause, and the audience were instructed to stop immediately when he gave them the sign. It basically makes the whole applause thing meaningless in any real sense, and it's simply just a studio gimmick. But at least they didn't tell the audience when they were meant to laugh and then coach them beforehand about what sign they would use to indicate a ha-ha laugh or a ho-ho or a he-he. And God forbid someone should get those wrong. You, excuse me, sir, would someone to take you outside? I notice you're struggling here. You did ha-ha there when actually I held up my hand for a ho-ho. You can't be trusted to come into the studio if you don't get this right. It won't, it won't sound very good on the programme. Also, I noticed that you were half a second behind on your applause there. I put my hand up for you to stop and you did an extra clap. That's really going to come out a bit weird on the programme. So um, I'm going to give you one more chance, though. I'm going to have to ask you to leave, sir. I also thought it was a bit odd that the audience were instructed to applaud things that I would never imagine anybody actually really applauding ordinarily. For instance, they would applaud all the various little videos, such as the video near the start, where they review what's been on the show during that week. It didn't seem like the kind of thing that you would naturally applaud. When you watch the TV or go to the cinema, no one really gets the urge to applaud the previously section. But for some reason, the audience in the studio are instructed to applaud every little incidental thing. Before we sang our song, Chris Packham read an extract from a World War I soldier's diary which inspired the song it's a very moving and evocative entry that reads following the geese came a couple of lapwings and then about half a dozen more it was the call of spring in a few hours time those same lapwings might be wheeling over english fields and watch them go by in scattered pairs small parties and larger flocks all were journeying in the same direction my thoughts went with them the level fens of East Anglia and the north country mosses that I knew so well. I was still standing watching the lapwings passing when the relieving century appeared. It seemed scarcely possible that two hours could have slipped by so quickly. Back once more in the dugout, I dozed off to sleep. My dreams were of English fields, horses at work ploughing, and the spring cries of the peewits. When we perform this song at gigs... We always read this extract out beforehand, and there's never an applause. It's a moving and evocative piece, and often the audience respond to it with a plaintive sigh, or sometimes there are tears. But in the peculiar TV studio environment, when Packham had finished reading this diary entry, which he read very beautifully, the director immediately instructed for the audience to enthusiastically applaud, and they duly did, which doesn't at all fit with the mood of the piece. But this is a world where seemingly everything, from a short introductory video clips montage to the musings of a dead soldier fearing for his life and desperately longing for home, is met with the exact same response, effusive applause. But regardless, it was a great opportunity for us and we had a great time with the Springwatch team, both in the studio and especially afterwards in the pub. Or at least once I'd eventually joined them after an hour of being antisocial and sitting by myself on a bench outside the pub. And thus, here ends today's dollop. Q applause. Thank you. Boo!
boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Very rarely I get a notification from my web stats informing me that my, quote, website traffic is booming. Last night, my stats were seemingly booming so much that I received two notifications yesterday. One which came an hour or so after Spring Watch, and another that came a couple of hours later. Normally I get numbers in the low hundreds, but yesterday it was over a thousand. I'm quite surprised that it made such an impact on how many people actually clicked onto my website, bearing in mind that I only spoke a couple of sentences, one of which I stuttered, and the other you could really hear. Granted, a lot of those extra views were due to people googling things like the young'un's blind or is one of the young'un's blind, so it's likely that most of these new visitors will simply click on my website, find the answer about whether I'm blind or not, and then click off, never to visit again. But there might be a few new people who click onto my site in order to find out whether I'm blind or not, and then end up getting sucked into the amazing drama and comedic brilliance that dollop regulars have come to know and love. For the benefit of anyone googling to find out whether I am blind, the answer is, well, well, not really, but I pretend to be, in order to garner more interest from people and to lure them to my website. It's basically a clever marketing ploy. Thank you for visiting. Of course, there is a chance that the number of views is due to Michaela Strachan. I assumed that she was just humouring me when I drunkenly told her that she should listen to the Daily Dollops, and she said that she would. Maybe she really enjoyed our conversation. I mean, I thought it was just small talk, but perhaps I was more interesting than I gave myself credit for. I suppose the problem is that I might just be so naturally gifted at being interesting and entertaining that I don't appreciate appreciate the fact that even my small talk is highly illuminating and riveting. Perhaps the first thing that she did when she got home that night was visit my website and start reading or listening to these dollops. Maybe that was the reason why she promptly left the pub after our conversation. I assumed that she was just desperate to get away from me as I drunkenly blabbered on about my dollops. But perhaps it was actually because she just couldn't contain her excitement and wanted to start reading and listening to my genius creations straight away. Maybe Michaela's decided to spend the whole weekend having a binge dollop session. Maybe listening or reading them from start to finish. If you see her on Spring Watch on Monday and she's cracking jokes about her kettle or talking about her encounters in supermarkets, then we'll know that she's obviously been inspired by my dollops. On the way back from Suffolk last night, we, as in the young'uns, decided to post a status on Facebook immediately after the Spring Watch appearance, including the links to the programme and attaching a few photos. We decided that we should incorporate as many wildlife puns as we could into our post. Sean was using Michael's phone to make the post, because Sean's phone doesn't let him attached photos, and Michael was driving so he couldn't do it himself. But Sean didn't have a clue how to use Michael's phone, and the post ended up taking us about three hours to write. We more or less spent the entire journey back from Suffolk writing the Facebook post, meaning that by the time it was published, we'd completely lost the immediacy aspect, as the programme had finished over three hours ago. It was taking ages for Sean to type on the phone, plus one of us would keep thinking of another pun, which meant that Sean then had to try and make edits, delete certain bits, and change the order of things to make it fit. When we first started writing this pun post, we were having a great time, but as the minutes dragged on and turned into hours, we began to regret trying to do such a long and involved post on a phone. The phone also kept trying to predict what Sean was typing and correcting things that were puns, because they weren't real words but wildlife modifications of words. At one point we needed to paste a link into the post, so Sean switched to the internet app only to realise upon trying to return to Facebook that he'd accidentally closed the Facebook app, meaning that the post was lost. We then spent 
spent another 90 minutes trying to joylessly remember all of our puns in the order that we'd done them, but Sean would get halfway through before one of us would remember that we'd missed one, causing Sean to have to try and rejiggle everything around time and time again, which was starting to prove rather stressful and difficult. Then there became a point where the whole thing became massively hysterical, as the realisation dawned on us that we'd just spent three hours trying to write one Facebook post, which we'd wanted to publish immediately after the Springwatch broadcast, but had still not posted over three hours after the show had been aired, because we'd spent all the time trying to write loads of puns. There was a heart-stopping moment when eventually we hit publish and breathed a sigh of relief, only to see an error flash up on the screen, telling us that the post could not be published due to no internet connection. Fortunately, there was a retry button, and the post sent on the second attempt. Here is the result of our three hours' work. I know we've been chirping on about this, but in case you haven't burred the news, we've just been on Springwatch and Sprung. We dunnock know how it happened. Maybe it's because we're very cheap, and we wouldn't eat into their budget. What a real badger of honour, although let's just hope that we didn't make tits of ourselves. Hope you pike it. The whole thing has been a bream come true. Sorry, the last two puns were a bit fishy. I'm sure you'll agree. It was well worth the effort, and I'm sure that you new listeners to these dollops will be coming back for more time and time again. That's going in there, and this can go in my trousers. I'm just touching the microphones, by the way, just in case you thought, is he meant to be recording this? Talking about sticking something down his trousers? Yes, I am. I'm just doing uh, testing levels and um, sticking the microphones on. Oh, Elsa! Yes? What's it? Nigel's in? The cat's coming. The next door neighbor's cat. Oh, is he on you? Is he on you? Let's see if we can hear Nigel pair. I'm recording for a dollop. I'm going to do a walking dollop. Mm. I've put my ear right to this, to the cat. <laughs> You'll hear it through the microphone. That is really loud. Have you put your ear to the cat? Yeah. It's so loud. Anyway, I'll leave you two to bond. Right. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 157. So there we are, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, Elsa who uh, regular dollop listeners and readers will be aware of. My housemate, she was with Nigel, the cat. We, oh, I did say on the dollop that it was the next-door neighbour's cat, which isn't quite true, actually. It's not the next-door neighbour's cat, and it's not called Nigel. It's actually Muffin from the uh, Cat Cafe. I kidnapped him, catnapped him, took him home with me. We're just... Elsa doesn't realise this. She's very emotional, very attached to, to the cat. But I'm literally just fattening him up, ready for the toasting. We'll have a bit of toasted muffin. A little bit later on. I'm really looking forward to that. Give it a few weeks. Anyway, a few little in-jokes for you there for dollop regulars. Sorry to any new listeners, and I know there's a lot of you. My God, the numbers have really gone up since Spring Watch. And uh, and I think the numbers will only continue to go up once you've got the sound of a purring cat there. I mean, like, that was proper ear-on-cat experience there. Ear-on-cat action. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's with things like that that I'll probably be invited back onto Spring Watch. And an extra treat for you as well. More bird sounds as we walk through the semi-rural, semi-urban area of Sheffield here. I'm not going to say were, or even where. <laughs> I wouldn't say were. Come on, David. I'm not going to say exactly where it is, obviously, because, you know, I mean, people will be wanting to camp outside my house and doorstep me. I've been speaking to someone today from a company called Orcam, 
who uh, have created some glasses designed for blind people and they have a camera attached to them and they look around or you can point at something and it'll trace your finger and it'll tell you what you're pointing at or if you're looking at something you can press a button and it'll tell you what you're looking at. That's kind of the idea as I imagined it. It's kind of similar to an app that I have discussed on a Jungans podcast before, Jungans podcast or even The Eagle as Candid. I'll play you that actually now. A little blast from the past. Another nostalgia trip for those people who've heard it before. I mean, a lot of people say this was taken from 2013, I believe. And a lot of people say that was a vintage year for me. You know, before the whole Springwatch thing and the fame got to my head and the pressure of having 700 podcast listeners or even 800 podcast listeners as opposed to two or 300 podcast listeners. The, the pressure is really getting to me. So I thought I'd play you a clip from 2013 before I became jaded. Almost depressed. The pressures of being uh, famous. Oh, God. It's too... It's very windy. Bloody windy, isn't it? Yeah, hang on a second. Yeah, it's bloody windy. Keep my head down, she won't know I'm there. Oh, the last thing I want is to talk to bloody windy. Oh, thank you. Someone appreciated the windy joke over there. Yeah, we're, we're live broadcasting the dollops now. Now I'm a celebrity, so someone's presumably listening to that in real time now. They've just heard the windy joke there, the windy wendy joke, and they've obviously, as you just heard, it was quite a good laugh response there. If you hear cars peep their horn at any point, it'll just be because they've seen me on the streets. You know, they're just giving me a little friendly peep to say, how are you doing, David? Anyway, let's get to this clip then. This is me talking about the phone app. There's another person. There's another person laughing. They're all listening to David's Digital Dollop. Absolutely brilliant. So as you can tell, there's a lot of pressure on me now. Since the Spring Watch, everyone knows my business and listens to David's Digital Dollop. Here's the clip taken from a young'un's gig and featured on a young'un's podcast in, I think, 2013. Yes, I've got this app, and what it's called is called Tap Tap C. And basically, what you do is you, you, you touch the button, the camera button on the screen, and um, it'll tell me what's in front of me. And it was really brilliant. I mean, to the point where I took a picture of um, what was going on in the room and it said, a picture of a lady um, ironing blue jeans on a white hot-off-the-press ironing board with man standing in background. So it's to that level of, you know... <laughs> well, I'm not joking. So, I mean, seriously. So I'm in a way queued to blindness. I mean, unfortunately, it, it completely kills the battery life. So I could only be blind for about, uh, for about an hour and then I've got to go and charge myself up again. <laughs> This havoc would be social life, but uh, anyway, but I got this recently and I was so excited about it, so I'm just taking pictures as I'm walking down the street. So I'm walking down the street and I've got a bush with green leaves and red berries. Oh, brilliant. Red Ferrari. That's absolutely brilliant. What an article. Oh, my God. So I'm walking down and then I'm going, whoa, I wonder what this is. So I can see something from it. I'm taking a picture of this. And it's taking a while, and all of a sudden, BAM! I smack into something, I fall to the ground. And I was like, oh my god, I'm in absolute agony. And I pick the phone up, which is flown across the other side of the road. And I just, as I scramble to my knees, and I pick the phone up, it, it shouts to me, LAMPOST! <laughs> well, now you tell me! So technology isn't quite there yet, but it's getting there. I'll give you an example, I've got it on my phone now. So... I take a picture. I have taken a picture of what I believe is a lamppost. It's quite fitting. And uh, it will come back and give me the results. So it does take a while, as you can hear. I'd have crashed into the lamppost by now. I'll be lying comatose on the floor at this point. 
picture to his grey car near post. Grey, well, it says post. Doesn't say lamppost, but... Picture one in progress. There we go. Picture one is man inside green car park beside the road during daytime. So there you go, man inside green car park beside the road during daytime. But unfortunately, it took about 40 seconds to get that response. Then someone sent me a link, which was a website belonging to a company who have invented some glasses. When I first watched, because I've got a video on the website, when I first watched it, I thought the glasses did a similar thing to what this app is doing, what this TapTapC is doing. Anyway, so I thought the natural progression for something like this is something that doesn't require the internet, where all the information is stored. Person in grey pants and green sneakers standing on grey asphalt road. When it says person with grey pants, that's me. It's it's American, so I'm not actually literally wearing just pants. It means trousers. Just in case you're thinking this is a bit weird. He's like, I mean, you must look weird enough talking to yourself while taking pictures of things. But to add an extra layer of weirdness uh, is the fact that you're just wearing your pants, David. I mean, no, it, it means trousers. It's just American. Uber. Uber. Can you hear that? I do like Uber. It's not called Uber. It's called Uber. Who calls it Uber? She's on about, you know, the taxi company, Uber. She's calling it Uber over there. Should we have a listen in? Should we do a bit of spying? A bit of spying, ladies and gentlemen. It's difficult for me to be inconspicuous now. Because in the past I could be inconspicuous, but now everyone knows who I am. Because of spring watch and stuff, everyone knows who I am now. And then the other problem is, I'm even more conspicuous because I'm wearing just pants. Anyway, so here's a clip from the video that's on their website advertising these glasses. Here's a little bit of it. Klein Street. Let's see if she's already here. Rachel. Hey Rachel, do you need help with the menu? Not anymore. Antipasti 56, a variety of roasted vegetables and goat cheese with olive oil and balsamic vinegar. So that sounds quite exciting. This girl is reading menus. I think in some ways even more impressively, she's able to identify her friend. So I was pretty excited about this. So I got in contact with the companies. So I thought, well, it's worth having a chat to them because this could be like revolutionary. I mean, imagine if I could identify people's faces and I could read things instantly. Um, so I got a phone call back from the company today. A little bit weird, really, because so I said, oh, so it can recognize faces and things. He said, oh, yes, it can, yes. He says, obviously, you've got to program the faces in first. I assumed that. It would be a little bit. I think they might be breaking a few privacy rules if they've got all of the faces already programmed in. Yeah, we took the liberty, David, of uh, working out who you friends are and we uh, we followed them for a little bit and uh, took pictures of them if you want to pay a little bit extra we've actually got quite a few uh, bribery photos that we can send you as well so you can blackmail people so the, uh, the the cost of the glasses will actually pay for itself you have to program the faces in manually obviously so you take a picture and then you say who it is but then fortunately I said well how many faces can it store and he said well you've got to put the faces and the products in, in automatically and it can store probably about 20 of each so you can either have 20 products and 20 faces or 30 and 10 or you can have 40 faces if you just want to use it for the faces and I thought well it's almost a bit pointless really isn't it I mean like 40 faces I mean whose faces do I put in because I know who people are like my, my close friends I obviously know who they are it would just be literally I want to put everyone's face in who I meet doing this project last week I knew who people were I was pretty sure I knew who they were but I didn't want to say the wrong name or say the wrong thing to them and it wasn't the right person 
But if I could see their face, then obviously I would have known who it was. Sometimes someone's voice is so obvious, you know who it is. But if you don't speak to them that much, then it's difficult to know. But a face is quite telling, and people can remember a name from a face. So having something that literally tells me the name, I thought would be absolutely brilliant. I'd only have to put the thing in once, and then it would tell me the name. If you can only do 40 people, that's a little bit pointless. Because I wouldn't know who to add. I wouldn't, like, I would be like, well, do I want to add you? I mean, like, and I can only identify 40 of them. So it's not as revolutionary as I thought. It would be brilliant if there was some glasses that literally did what the app does. Tant up see, but does it in real time. I also listened to another video from the company, because as well as producing things for blind people, they also produce things just for the sort of more mainstream audience. They've got one for sighted people. It's a bit weird, because the, the man on the video is saying um, it can analyse your every move, it can analyse your conversation, so it's listening for your words. And this is a great aid for life. It'll save you so much time, it'll make you a better person, and it'll make you more effective and efficient. This will revolutionise your life. It'll analyse your conversation, so you're having a conversation with someone, and it'll be able to recognise their face. It'll be attached to your Facebook and your Twitter, and it can uh, bring up the person's tweets and their Facebook profile. If you you don't know what to talk to them about, you can, you can see a list of their tweets. It'll say like you know this person has recently tweeted about baseball so you can say hey hey young johnny here likes a, a bit of baseball huh? i'll have a chat with him about baseball but let's just say you don't know anything about baseball what do you do well don't worry there's a there's a button that you can press on the machine and it'll start giving you baseball facts and uh, then you can have a conversation with him about baseball and i think it's what are you just fake completely having a fake conversation with someone is this the, is this the future now we can't we're not gonna have genuine conversations with anyone you'll be on dates with people and you'll be able to pretend that you know that that moment where you both realize that you're into the same obscure band and that magical moment now it's, it's going to be gone forever now because everyone's going to think oh he's just using the glasses for that so you oh, i love them i love them i went to a gig and they're like yeah you probably didn't go to a gig did you you're just reading your thing on your glasses you just you know you've probably got my tweets up i just think it's a really odd manufactured way of having a conversation the other thing that he said i'm talking to joe now me and joe we go for a, a coffee regularly me and joe every single time I talk to Joe, the Joe setting will come up on my device and it will be constantly analyzing our conversation and it'll be comparing it to previous conversations that I've had with Joe. And later on, I'll be able to go back and I'll be able to look at keywords and dissect the conversation. It'll show me what we talked about. So I'll be able to see a graph of the things that we talk about the most. So for instance, let's say that it shows me that every time I talk to Joe, we seem to talk about soccer. Okay. Well, I could say, you know what? I'm going to improve myself, and I'm going to improve Joe. You know, we're going to talk about something different the next time, because I've just realized here by my device that me and Joe, all we talk about is soccer. So the next time I talk to Joe, we won't talk about soccer. We'll talk about something else. And I'm like, well, surely you don't need a device to tell you that all you and Joe talk about is soccer. I mean, just pay more attention to your conversations. Like, if I'm talking to someone in the folk world, I don't need a device to say you primarily talk to them about folk music. For instance, you know, I don't, I just, I would just know that. And also, I don't quite understand why it would make you a better person by talking about something else. would argue that if you want to improve yourself as a person for your own personal development stop using a device that tells you what you should be talking about and just be your own boss 
rather than kind of analyzing. Who has the time to analyze their own conversations on a graph? Having a conversation with someone and then going back later and analyzing it. It also apparently, he said, and also it can, it can analyze people's facial expressions. And it will be constantly monitoring the other person's facial expressions. So, for instance, if you're having a conversation with someone and they respond to you in a negative way, and you say, why, why are they responding to me in that way? Why, why is it? You can go back at a later date after the conversation and you can look at the conversation again and it will show you a graph of all their facial expressions and a timeline of all their facial expressions. And you'll be able to say, oh, I said that thing. That thing made them sad. And I'll know that I made them sad because I said that thing. And that'll explain. I'm like, well, if you notice that you upset someone, why don't you just say, oh, I'm sorry, I've upset you. And they go, oh, I'll say, I've upset them. I'll have to wait until the end of the conversation. Like, it just seems the most ridiculous thing. It seems like the most contrived thing. And that's the, that's the weird thing with technology. We can do so much brilliant things with it, so many marvellous things. But sometimes there's just too much of it. You know, there's just like redundant things, things that we don't need Slippery. Just doing things because we can do them. Oh, we can analyse people's facial expressions infinitesimally and we can find out what they were talking about. We can bring up their tweets and their Facebook so we can help us have a conversation with that person. But we don't want technology to remove the spontaneity and magic from life. And I think that's fear. Well, that's... what. Oh, dear, I'm about to be attacked by a dog, ladies and gentlemen. It's been nice knowing you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, we have a live comment, ladies and gentlemen, from Alicia, who's commented on dollop 156. I don't think I've ever had a comment from Alicia before, so let's see what she's got to say for herself. Huh. Just watched Unsprung on iPlayer, and everything about your segment intrigued me. I've now liked the FB page, and hope to see you play a gig sometime in the very near future. Yeah, I feel super excited about all these things, haha. But honestly, it was because of the superb punning, and only because of that. Equals. Oh. Like. Approve. Button. I'm going to approve that approve. comment. Well done, Alicia. You have been approved. My goodness. Sundays can be a bit bleak, can't they? Sunday nights. People are going back to work on a Monday. But that will really cheer her up now. That will probably keep her going for the rest of the week. So, well, well done, Alicia, for having your comment approved there. And as they say, see you later to each other, I say, see you later to you, my friends. Thank you for listening. I'll put his feet on my shoulders. They're not talking about me. They're talking about another kid. Just in case you're thinking, what? Are they going to put your feet on their, their shoulders, David? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a big crowd surf. That's what's going on. There's some kids now picking me up. And uh, you can hear them there. They're picking me up and they're crowd surfing me, parading me around the street as we speak now because they're such fans of Springwatch and the dollops and... Right, come on kids, put me down now, put me down. No, oh, a cheer. As soon as I walk in, there's a cheer, I'm back. Oh, just a lot of people chanting my name now as I enter my house. You might think that was Elsa watching something on the TV, but it wasn't. It's just people chanting my name. A big crowd of people stood outside my house. That's what that sound was there. They were all shouting dollop. David's dollop. That's what they were shouting. <laughs> I think you've all seen how uh, being on Springwatch has affected me. You didn't probably realise how famous I am now, but there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So be grateful that I'm still giving you this for free, because, you know, I might start charging for this now. Anyway, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Sorry, that's just uh, one of my groupies in my bed. Just applauding the end of the dollop there. I'll just edit this dollop and then I'll be with you. Okay!
I get a feeling that I'm probably going to lose a lot of the new listeners. But I know that the old guard will still stay with me. Because you, you understand me, don't you? <laughs>